So for a church to commit, let's make this a significant thrust Mm -hmm. and let's get training. Let's select people who want to be involved so that it's not just you as a pastor, but you're sort of Mm -hmm. leading the charge. The goal here is not to talk people out of their problems. No. It's to help them through. It's to guide them through. It's to see how this is part of discipleship, that this is sanctifying. The church I go to, the pastor had been there at that time about 10 years. A man came to him and said, I'm coming out of the gay lifestyle. I'd like to join your church, but nobody would want to accept me or sit Mm -hmm. by me. And the pastor said, you come next Sunday, Mm -hmm. share your story. If you don't, if my church won't accept you, I'm resigning on Monday. Wow, wow. The man came on Sunday, shared his story, and a recovering alcoholic about three fourths back stood up and said, brother, come sit with me. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That's why we do what we do here on these Before You Quit podcasts. Number 50, uh, Jubilee. <laughs> I don't know if there should be some significance with this, but I was looking at the previous podcast and noticed that this is the 50th podcast I've done. Uh, So I'm patting myself on the back, congratulating myself, just in case nobody else does. Uh, Hey, my name is Mitch Schultz, and I am the host for these podcasts. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Uh, So for years as a pastor, uh, 33, 34 some years, um, and even since then, I have have absolutely loved counseling. And one of the reasons why I love counseling is because I, I love to see uh, how the gospel brings about change in people's lives. Uh, I, I fight for marriages. I, I do everything I can to keep couples from divorcing. Uh, I rejoice when couples who've been fighting and angry at each other uh, now embracing each other with a new love. I absolutely love it when I witness someone struggling with depression or addiction find the courage to fight through their struggle by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and getting perspective and oftentimes even healing. Uh, while I do have training in counseling, I'm also convinced that the, and this is the purpose of this podcast today, I'm convinced that the church can do more uh, to help its own than we often are seeing. The easy thing to do is to defer uh, to the professionals away from the church, away from community. And uh, yeah, there are times, obviously, where that is needed. Uh, but I, I believe strongly that the best healing happens in community. And in this podcast, you're going to hear two counselors, myself and another man by the name of Dr. Harold Rhodes, and we're going to be talking about the importance of pastors and those committed to the church strengthening uh, strengthen their counseling muscles. So that's what this is about today. Um, we really believe that you can counsel too. And it was so fun sitting down with Dr. Harold Rhodes to talk about all this. He uh, lives in Martin, Georgia. Uh, he teaches at Emanuel College, helped actually start up the psychology and counseling department there. He is a trained psychologist, and he has his Ph.D. in counseling psychology from Ball State, his M.A. in biblical counseling from Regent University. And uh, more importantly, he's just an all-out good guy. He's a man who loves pastors and loves the church. So let's join in on that conversation right now. We are here in uh, Franklin Springs, right, Georgia, uh, just south of uh, of Tacoa, 
And uh, I'm talking to uh, Dr. Harold Rhodes. Yes, uh uh-huh. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up here in in Franklin County. Well, um, I'm a psychologist in private practice, but I have a very, very particular interest in integrating uh, the Bible and counseling uh, was teaching at Regent University in Virginia Beach uh, in uh, responsible for the marriage and family track and clinical training and was asked to come to Emanuel College mm-hmm. uh, to set up a psychology department. So I spent about five years doing that, and then when I went back into my primary call, which is counseling. Uh, that's wonderful. Well, we uh, we met only once before we were collaborating with a, a counseling situation, and uh, I think you made some comments, uh, Harold, about uh, your uh, desire to see the uh, pastors trained in, in counseling. In fact, I think you mentioned that you had done some of that, and I, I thought, oh, i got to talk to this guy and do a podcast interview, because uh, that's been uh, part of one of my uh, dreams with my ministry, Fruitful Vine Ministry, and these Before You Quit podcasts, is that this is a resource to the pastor, to church leaders, and to people who care about the church, that's my audience, uh, that uh, there would be opportunity for them to be better equipped to care for their own. To, you know, a pastor is a shepherd. Shepherd involves caring. And I mentioned before we recorded that uh, I've met some younger pastors who kind of consider it a badge of honor that they don't counsel or that they're not good with it. Well, we, you know, I, I get that. Not everyone's gifted in this. Uh, but we want to help the church to be better at this. Uh, what have you run into? What has been your burden in that before we really start out here? I really desire uh, for pastors to have that skill, to have that heart of compassion. I think the power of Christ was that he could connect with the heart of a person. Mm -hmm. He met a woman at the well, and in the conversation he said, yes, I know you're not married, and the man you're living with is not your husband. But he had so much compassion that she went back into town and said, Wow, come meet mm-hmm. I this met somebody, man. Yeah. 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 And uh, the same thing going to Lazarus' tomb. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he wept out of his heart of compassion mm-hmm. for the people. And I think as shepherds and pastors, it's important to have that compassion that people know there is that depth of caring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that we start with Jesus, that he is our... Our, our model here, I, I believe it's Isaiah 9, the prophetic passage that refers to him as a wonderful counselor, a prince of peace. Uh, the goal of counseling is peace. It, it comes, I mean, the heart of the gospel is reconciliation with God. And of course, uh, one, of the, uh, one, one of my drives with, uh, in my commitment to counseling is to see the gospel bring about peace. Uh, between one another. Ephesians 2 talks about that. So so really, I mean, whether a pastor or church leaders or a church as a whole doesn't feel like they are equipped or uh, have the, you know, the structure for it, really it's what you're doing. You're helping people that are struggling. You're helping people to be drawn to Christ and to meet him and to find how uh, he provides life abundantly, as he talks about in John 10.10. 10. Um, what, why do you, okay, you're, you're a professional counselor. Uh, I've, I've kind of landed into this by default. I, I've done obviously some, uh, postgraduate work on it, but, uh, uh, from your perspective, what, why do you believe that the tendency is to defer 
people to professionals. Um, now it could sound like we're trying to, you know, retire early here and <laughs> we'd be out of a job. Uh, I hate to say that if the church did their job, you know, we would not be here because I think there's, there's obviously great value in, in what you do and what I do. Uh, but yeah, what, what's going on there? You think? I think there's a number of things. Uh, pastors can be overwhelmed by the task of pastoring. There are so many demands and yeah. so many expectations. Yeah. And counseling is not a, a, a one-time meeting, you're all fixed, uh, come back in a few years if you need me, mm-hmm. kind of a process. I think secondly, and I've actually had pastors tell me this, if I counsel a person, I find they I lose them as a church member. And I think one uh uh, maybe the person feels uh, the pastor knows so much about me. And I, I think the other thing I've actually heard is something very similar to what I've heard you say. Uh, if I'm up there using uh, preaching a sermon and there's an mm-hmm. illustration, the person thinks I'm talking about them. Mm-hmm. And I think at another level, there's a feeling of an inadequacy. Mm-hmm. Now, I look at sort of like the medical profession. I go to my general practitioner uh, for normal kinds of things. Now, if I had a serious is- issue uh, with my spine or with my brain, I'll go to neurologist. And the way I see the interface at its best is pastors could deal with many of the tasks that I, as as a psychologist, deal with in my office, and then certain very complex situations to be free to refer. As a matter of fact, I teach a pastoral care and counseling class at Emmanuel College, and one of the things I always work with the students is to know their limitations. And if you're moving to a community as a pastor, immediately establish connection with psychologists or professional counselors Mm, Mm -hmm. that you uh, to refer to. But many, probably the majority of people, you could be able to radically help as a pastor. Yeah, and I think primarily marriage and family uh, counseling. uh, Again, you you have the the more uh, complicated things that that, uh, we encounter, you know, mental health, trauma, crisis, things like that. if the if the church were to see itself as a uh, as a healing environment, um, how does that change the conversation about the role of counseling? Because I think I think we it, it I know I, I I probably had a tendency to do that. Although I I've always done counseling, uh, maybe more that I've seen others that I've I've worked with that we separate the uh, care ministry, the preaching ministry, the shepherding, and then there's counseling. Uh, how do you define, first of all, how do we define counseling so that we can maybe bring that category into the whole responsibility that we have within the church? Okay, my email address is walker. 180 at msn.com. Now, co-worker? Co-walker. Walker. Okay. Okay. So to respond to your question, the reason that's my email address is it's actually sort of my uh, American Indian name because I walk with people 
I see. While okay. they turn their life around. Okay. That's the 180. Yeah. Well, really, that's what we ought to be doing in churches. Yeah. So we're walking with people through hard times. Mm-hmm. And a church is to be a koinonia community and where we should be able to be real, where we should be able to say, hey, I've got a problem. I need some help. Mm-hmm. Somebody walk with me through that time. Because so many times I've heard the story, a husband and wife fight all the way to church and then hold hands and walk in looking all nice. Mm-hmm. Because somehow we're supposed to present yeah. this facade. Yeah. And if a church could be a place where we could be real and pastors and maybe particularly lay people trained in mm-hmm. counseling skills, then we could co-walk I love with that. people I love that. through yeah. hard times. By the way, you're, this is the first time ever I've asked a question and someone answered it by just giving their email address. <laughs> <laughs> your email address is loaded with meaning and it, it, it contains your vision and, and your purpose. I, I love that. Well, that that's really helpful. Um, yeah, and, and you, you know some some of the churches that I've seen this do the that I've seen do this effectively, and in one case I was part of developing this uh, was to train marriage mentors. And so, for example, I was pastoring associate pastor of a large church in Wisconsin, and I did a lot of counseling again because of our experience and losses, and also some of my training. People just gravitated to uh, to me for counseling, and and when we saw marriages hurting. Um, I would work with them for a little bit, and I still do this now. If I'm counseling marriages, hurting marriages, uh, part of the the next stage is to have a trained couple that are meeting with them regularly for encouragement, for accountability, uh, to address ongoing struggles that they might have. That way, they don't have to keep running back to you know a professional, quote unquote. Um, so yeah, how do you how do you see that? And ha- and how how uh, again? This may be shifting us a little bit in a different direction. Uh, how do you help the church to allow people to be real, to uh, show their pain, to be vulnerable? Uh, that's part of having that healing community, isn't it? But practically, how does that happen? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you. The pastor <laughs> is critical in letting the community know. It's okay to be real. Mm-hmm. My pastor will stand up in front of our congregation, and occasionally he will reference me, and he'll say, there's Dr. Rhodes. He's my counselor. Really? And it's like he gives permission mm. for somebody to reach out to somebody when it helps. I think the other thing, and my pastor is an excellent model of this, to be real in the pulpit Mm -hmm. with your own struggles, with your own, you know, uh, I was teaching a Sunday school, a large Sunday school class when I lived in Virginia Beach. And uh, one morning, my wife and I had fussed all the way to church. And I was standing in front of the class And I said, excuse me, before I start teaching, I just need to apologize to my wife because we fussed all the way to church this morning. And my whole intent was first and foremost to apologize to my wife. Mm. But the other intent was say, couples have fusses. Yeah. That's life. Wow. And it gives everybody else permission to... Uh, to, to to do the same thing, maybe to find someone else or even come to you afterwards and say, hey, thanks for sharing that because 
that happened to us and we, we feel like we're supposed to put on a brave face when we come here. Uh, that's really good. I, I, I reference this quite a few times because it keeps coming up, but I did a podcast last year of a pastor and his wife whose marriage was on the brinks of collapsing and I was, I was helping them some. And uh, when it was at its worst, they stood before their congregation and shared it with them and that they were going to be taking a six-week sabbatical to get help. At the end of it, the elders came up, surrounded them in prayer, and when they opened their eyes, the the, the altar was full of people coming up with their own needs and hurts, wow. and you know some struggling with marriage, others with other issues, and uh, so yeah, the the pastor being vulnerable. Uh, I mean, there's a there, there it has to be balanced again. The the primary role of the pastor during preaching is is preaching the gospel, preaching the word, you know, teaching the scripture. Uh, but it, the, the scripture is about real life, and if he can relate to the passage and share his own story, uh, you know, I think I think Christ did, didn't he? I mean, he sh- shared his vulnerability as to his disciples, his pain, his heaviness that he was experiencing. Uh, I think he he was a great model of that for us. Absolutely, Christ was a very real person. He cried. He got angry. He needed time and space, Mm -hmm. and he walked away from crowds because he needed to go out and just be with his father. Mm. Uh, He was human. And I think as ministers, we need to let people know we're human because that gives them permission Mm -hmm. to be human. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So just to review a couple things before we change directions here. Uh, you touched on them. We talked about this before we hit record, that there's three reasons why pastors don't tend to counsel uh, feeling of inadequacy, uh, time, and this one's probably a little bit harder to define, but uh, I refer to it as uh, as perhaps reluctance to get too involved in someone's life. Uh, Jay Adams calls that total involvement. Uh, you know, you ask someone how they're doing, and they say, well, uh, how long do you have? You know, suddenly you realize, oh, I got to be totally involved here. <laughs> yeah. And so, for a pastor who counsels, he's hearing a lot about someone's life, and and uh, he has to be committed to that. He has to follow through. He has to be all in into the into the real struggle that a couple or an individual is having. And so, what we want to do with this podcast is to say, uh, hey, I, you know, we we want to be this. We want this to be another resource to. Uh, encourage you to see, first of all, the entire church is a healing community. Struggle with your leadership, what that means. How, how does this place become a, a healing community? You talked about vulnerability, pastors being real. Uh, you talked about having you know referrals, obviously. Uh, what else can a church do to be that healing community to where maybe less people are going to have to go to you? And to professionals, and sorry, I know you're. You know, we don't. We know. We know you need to still make a living, but uh. <laughs> yes. But I actually, I wouldn't. I'm 72 years old. I oh, okay. You're looking for a reason. Okay, this is good motivation <laughs> no. then. No, I. The first thing is to church decide. Let's have training sessions, mm-hmm. not only for the ministry, but selected lay persons who could come along and walk alongside of people. Okay, excellent. And uh, for example, I was asked to come up to a church in Rochester, New York, and they invested Friday and all day Saturday uh, <clears throat> training lay leaders. <clears throat> um, now, this is happening worldwide, which is exciting to me. 
because uh, I've been involved in training uh, ministers, counselors, laypersons in Singapore, in Malaysia. Uh, and what was really exciting to me was to be invited by a Messianic congregation in Kiev that was having an international pastors conference where they had rabbis, Messianic rabbis, from all over the world there mm. to be able to train again counseling. So those of you who are pastors are listening. Uh, make opportunities to get training for yourself. The American Association of Christian Counselors has some wonderful mm -hmm. training courses that you could touch. Uh, decide to have a training weekend at your local church and select laypersons because a pastor obviously can't carry it all, but if you have lanes people who are trained to walk alongside of mm -hmm. people, and I think to invest because that ministry is a healing ministry. Mm -hmm. There is so much emotional brokenness and, he and, and need for healing in our world. So for a church to commit, let's make this a significant thrust mm -hmm. and let's get training. Let's, select people who want to be involved so that it's not just you as a pastor, but you're sort of leading mm -hmm. the charge to have that be a major part of the ministry. Yeah, the uh, ACBC, uh, uh, American Association, what is that? AACC, AAC, American okay. Association of Christian Council. Okay, I know there's another one as well that um, uh, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put that at link and then also the other one as well. Yes, That's there's a, there's it's a short. It's a short course. It takes a, maybe a couple months to go through. Yes, it, it's great, but it's for pastors. As a matter of fact, if you're a pastor, to put in a plug, the American Association of Christian Counselors is having a world conference in Nashville in uh, early uh, October of this year. And there will be pastors and ministers from all around the world. Tremendous opportunity to be trained by the best Christian counselors and psychologists mm -hmm. and psychiatrists around. Uh, and the there'll be 7,000 people there, and the majority of them will be pastors. Okay. Okay. That's a great. Yeah, we'll put those resources out. Uh, one of the things we've not talked about is that pastors themselves uh, – uh, have a tendency to mask, to not know where to go, and that's why my ministry exists. I, I'm someone that pastors can can come to, or missionaries, and and just you know deal a lot. Sometimes it's when they're in crisis. I love it when people come and just say, "Hey, I just feel the pressure building up. I I want to process here." Uh, what does the pastor do when he realizes he needs help as well? Well, again. If I were pastoring a community, I would want to know the resources there. Mm -hmm. I would want to have had lunch with them. Mm -hmm. I would have want. I would want to know their position mm -hmm. as regard to Christianity and Christian beliefs mm -hmm. and the Bible. And I would have a, a sort of a knowing of them that I could call and refer that mm -hmm. person because, again, that's. My physician knows where to refer me yeah. if I have a major problem that's yeah. beyond his And again, step. your pastor goes to you sometimes for That's for correct. Help. Yeah. It, how about internally within the church? A relationship with a pastor and elders can be important. Where there, It's a relationship. It's not just a, a business uh, connection that they have. 
which oftentimes is the case. You know, the elder and the pastor is more about managing the church. Uh, how do you foster that 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 depth, that relationship, where there's community there within the leadership of the church, which can be uh, mutually encouraging, and uh, it can be a place to where there can be things shared where it doesn't end up being a crisis for the pastor. Well, I need to share very briefly a, a strong theological belief of mine coming out of John chapter 14, verses around 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, um, I'm going to the Father. Uh, the world will no longer see me, but the world will see you. I'll be in the Father. You'll be in me, and I'll be in you. Mm-hmm. I believe we become the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, relationship is important. If someone comes to my office and has committed a horrible sin and they're broken and repentant, I always have them look in my eyes, which they generally don't want Mm -hmm. to, and I say, do you see any condemnation in my eyes? Mm. And it's in relationship. Mm. There are two places that we, three places that we primarily share Jesus One is our mouth. That's the weakest Mm -hmm. and the least effective. Our eyes, Mm -hmm. which communicate love, compassion, and caring. And our heart, where we sense Mm -hmm. another person. And and to be able to... I call it, when I'm training counselors, I call it using the radar in their chest. Mm -hmm. And so it's only in relationship. And we have to look at people as people. And... When the church becomes a business, it becomes rather dry. Yeah, yeah, there's no life, yeah. Uh, w- shifting gears here a little bit, because uh, these are things that we see and we're going to continue to see within the church. So this this need to be shepherds and to shepherd well and to bring in that counseling idea into that uh, is is going to be more important as the years go on here. I mean, things are things are showing up within the church that are... They're much more extreme. Uh, what are you seeing? What uh, What are the types of things that you see? And what, as you look at the landscape of culture and church, uh, where are we heading? What kind of things are we going to be dealing with? Marriage is going to be a huge one. It is right now when we're running about a 50% divorce rate of our first mm-hmm. marriages and somewhere around a 60 or something like that percent of mm-hmm. second marriages. So marriage is going to be critical. Another area is going to be parenting issues. Um we're dealing with a generation now that was raised by a very permissive group of parents Mm -hmm. and to use, uh, to help parents develop the ability to have discipline consequences, but also a relational connection, parent to child. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that's going to be very important is our culture in some ways is becoming less and less caring. Mm-hmm. And mm. more and more mechanical and yeah. paper. And then here's the here's something that's radically happening now: the um, internet communication, Facebook, and all these things. Relationships are more and more going through media. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think, we're moving toward kind of a a, a crisis of weakness in face to face. 
Yeah, personal yeah. and and more is said uh, through social media than might be said face to face, right? Yes. Why is that? I think I think it's because people have this idea it's private. Mm-hmm. So I can't believe some of the things that come on Facebook. Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, hey, folks, this goes to the world, mm-hmm. and and I and that's another issue that the church is going to face because especially with teenagers. Teenagers post some incredible things on Facebook, and there have been suicides mm-hmm. attributed because of posts on Facebook about that yeah. young person. Yeah, and I think they just think, besides it, its gutless wonders, who wouldn't say mm-hmm. such a thing in person? Yeah. So yeah. they, they hit- so so if if you were to anticipate five ten years, what what is the, the and again you might say just repeat what you said, but maybe isolate some things. What what are some of the deepest struggles we're going to see in people in the church? Personal worth and mm-hmm. value. Okay, I think it's going to be a very deep struggle. The other thing that church is going to have to be ready to deal with, and I think the counseling is going to deal with that, questions of the faith. Mm-hmm. Because our culture is moving farther and further away from faith-based uh, structure. And the question more and more is, is uh, the culture is more and more questioning values. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a second area that people are going to say, Pastor, Uh, What about God? And the other thing we're going to face, which is a part of church that the church culture has created, why isn't God rescuing me from these bad times? Mm -hmm. Because in the church, we can almost, if we're not careful, get saved and life will be wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you get saved and people still die and people still get cancer. And And, we don't realize Romans 828, which we love that passage, mm-hmm. all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. But we don't realize that 29, 829 mm-hmm. spells it out because 829 says, those he has chosen, he has predestined to be conformed to the nature of the Son. And we're going to have to help people understand that the hard times in our life are a part of our being conformed to yeah, the nature that, of Jesus. Yeah, and that's a great point to bring up here that, uh, you know, pastors and leaders who want to nurture a, a healing community and elements of counseling in that, uh, the goal here is not to talk people out of their problems. No. It's to help them through. It's to guide them through. It's to see how this is part of discipleship, that this is sanctifying um, that's helpful, isn't it, for pastors oh. maybe to say, hey, my role here is not to say, hey, you know, stop feeling that way. Stop being so so depressed. You know, trust God. It's it's more like, well, what do you, I always ask this question of people at some point. What are you learning about yourself that you would never have known had you not been going through this? And then secondly, what are you learning about Jesus uh, or could learn about Jesus that you would never know were you not going through this? And that starts a great conversation. You know, people, well, I, I thought I came here so you could talk me out of this. No, I want to talk you through this. It's like you, you know, you're walking along someone. That's uh, and that's the role of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It's oh. it's a uh, you know the Comforter, the Paraclete, is to come alongside. And I love what you said that we are as the church, as individuals who make up the church. That's now our role. Uh, we are we are Jesus in a sense. 
right. of uh, and the Holy Spirit's using us to walk alongside people. Exactly. One of the things that's been most helpful for me in hard times, when my wife died, the Lord taught me something, and I use it in every hard time I come to. He taught me and showed me that he's transforming me in every hard time. So if I'm facing a hard time, I say, okay, Jesus, how are you making me more into mm. your nature in this hard time? And then the hard time has purpose. Mm -hmm. And when I embrace it that way, I don't have the same attitude about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we see Joseph doing that, what you meant for harm, God intended for good. Uh, it was for saving of lives that, that this happened. Uh, yeah, helping people to see, the you know, in, in some way, the redemptive value of, uh, of what you're going through. I, I was thinking when you mentioned one of the struggle, one of the things we're going to deal with more is the loss of values, loss of structure. We see this in, in any individual life. If you lose uh, a set of values in your own life and you lose structure and you're not guided by some, you know, strong, godly, biblical principles or a family's not, uh, the result is, is fracture uh, and, and the end result can be chaos. So if more and more in society people are not being drawn to or if, if they're not being, if the appeal is not these strong values, then we're going to see more chaos in, in people's lives. Uh, but that's, what's, that's good. That's what the church is for. Absolutely. You know, run to the church. It's Spurgeon would often say the church is like a hospital with a, uh, you know, a lot of sick people. You know, um, it is, and counseling is significantly teaching. But at some point, I want to deal with boundaries because one of the problems with pastors' counseling is, as a professional psychologist, I get hardly ever get a call at home. Mm -hmm. Pastors, once they start counseling, because <laughs> one, it's free. And two, uh, people get an idea, okay, the pastor's on duty 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. seven days. And he days might seven. say that, hey, give me a call any time. Right, you know? and if I'm pastor and counseling, I'm going to be careful about setting boundaries. Yeah. Unless it's an emergency, about what we're counseling, please don't call me at mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. The second boundary, and this is really important if you as a pastor decide to take up counseling, realize it's not your job to fix it. Mm-hmm. Because it is always the person you're counseling responsibility. It's your job to walk with them, sometimes coach them, sometimes teach them. But when somebody walks out of my door in my office, they take their problem with them. Mm -hmm. I may have wept with them while mm -hmm. they sat here, mm -hmm. but when I go home at night, I don't want to take nine people's problems home yeah, with me. Yeah. And so boundary setting... And that's one of the reasons pastors probably don't do counseling, is they know they, they get overwhelmed with it. And so they need to know... And this is, this is why, I think, again, I've talked a lot here about uh, having an environment, a climate, w which fosters this to where... Uh, I, don't, I don't want the pastor to, to become a counselor from this podcast. I want him to understand that, that his leadership is shepherding can result in, in an environment of healing and encouragement within the whole community. So if someone comes in for counseling, I would not mind if, if someone came to a pastor for counseling t two times, but then th they know when they come that, hey, we'll meet a couple times, but I'm going to plug you in with several people. 
I'm going to put you in a small group with, you know, marriage mentors or, you know, there's a person here who struggled depression and we've, they've been trained in their position to walk alongside someone who has struggled with depression. Uh, I had that when I pastored. People come to me and say, hey, you know, we, we lost a child when we were, uh, you know, first married. And if, if there's anybody in the church that needs, incur, you know, faces this. I say, yeah, I, heck yeah, I'll take advantage of that, you know, because, <laughs> oh, and uh, so it's, it's not, we're not out to say, hey, pastor, you need to be a counselor. It's again, we want you to be a catalyst, uh, an instrument to maybe uh, bring this, this more holistic, um, <clears throat> having the whole man in mind when you're preaching even on, on Sunday. Um, yeah, your, your thoughts on that, the, 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 what, what we're really out to do here. That's where... I so appreciated the perspective of the church in Rochester that I went to because the pastor there was actually training and preparing mm. a substructure so mm. that in many ways the pastor becomes a referral source. Mm-hmm. Within, so, internally, within internally, the church. Yeah. In, yes, yeah. absolutely. So a part of it, <clears throat> as you listen to this as a pastor, to think, okay, how could I train and develop a substructure to take care of certain areas uh, and and a wide range of areas. Somebody comes with anger, if you're somebody Mm -hmm. you know of, somebody who has a drug alcohol problem previously, but it's walking clean and sober, uh, as you mentioned, a marriage, and you can literally develop an incredible substructure within your church of referral. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then... Because you see, if we pour out of us what God put in us, it gives us life. Mm -hmm. So the substructure individuals are getting more excited about their relationship with Mm -hmm. God. And it just brings life at a broad level basis. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Our church has a a grief group. Uh, They also have done, I think, um, uh, oh, what's the the other one? It's the the more uh, stronger church-based group. Approach to uh, AA, celebrate recovery. Celebrate recovery, yeah, and uh, and I love it. I love that churches do this. We we've done this too in churches that I've pastored in the past. Uh, one of the things we've noticed though is they're made up mostly people from other churches, <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's curious to me because it tells me that their church is not providing that kind of healing environment. So so we, we again we want to get people thinking here about how to. Uh, foster the, this and you know this environment or climate of healing and it involves community and and we want this to be in the in the heart of the pastor as well um, hey great conversation any any final thoughts that uh, that you have no I just hope that this has encouraged you trust me I don't worry about being put out of business the mental <laughs> well, health needs, <laughs> the mental health needs are huge yeah but if your church was known as loving and accepting. I want to tell you one story. The church I go to, the pastor had been there at that time about 10 years. A man came to him and said, I'm coming out of the gay lifestyle. I'd like to join your church, but nobody would want to accept me or sit mm-hmm. by me. And the pastor said, you come next Sunday, mm-hmm. share your story. If you don't, if my church won't accept you. I'm resigning on Monday. Wow, wow. The man came on Sunday, shared his story, and a recovering alcoholic about three-fourths back stood up and said, Brother, 
come set with me. Oh, that's wonderful. Next Sunday. Yeah. If we can say a church is a place for the healing mm-hmm. of sinners mm. and a place where one, no matter what you are, can be accepted and encouraged in the life of Christ. What a wonderful place it would be. That's a great way to end. I love it. <laughs> that is that is a great example, and I think it just it really illustrates everything we we're wanting to talk about there. That's the that's the pro. It needs to look like that. You know? So thank you so much, Harold. I, I appreciate your time. Thank uh, you. You did a great job communicating. Uh, I, I had questions for you, and we were everywhere, <laughs> but I got through it. <laughs> yes. All right, Lord bless you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast as well as other podcasts. I want to remind you that you can go to our website, www.beforeyouquit.us, and check out uh, 49 other podcasts and also a lot of blogs that I have written. You can also check the, our website to uh, look at those resources for uh, further uh, continuing education and equipping in the area of counseling, particularly for pastors and leaders. And so we'd ask you to go ahead and take time to look into that. So until next time, stay encouraged, be courageous, because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.